Hello, and welcome to Chronic Sex, the podcast about how self-love, relationships, sex, and sexuality are affected by chronic illness and disability. Given the subject matter, this podcast is not suitable for those under the age of 18, and unless you have headphones on right now, you probably shouldn't be listening to us at work. My name is Kirsten Schultz, and I'm your host. Well, it's good to have you with us today, I have to say that there's been a little addendum to this schedule. Last podcast, I said that this episode was going to be me talking to my pal, Tambor Lane, who is an amazing, amazing life coach that works with survivors of cancer and their loved ones. And I'm hoping to bring that to you next week, but as I was sitting last night on my couch, it occurred to me that I haven't addressed recent events. And I spent the next two hours writing out by hand several pages of things that I would like to say today. And I think it's important. While our subject matter is mostly self-love and sex and more touchy-feely stuff, there's no telling how So many of us will be affected by the election by the next four years and, God forbid, eight years. And it's important to talk about. Before I go any further, one, since I did write out all those pages, you may hear some paper shuffling. It's like nine in the morning and I haven't had anything except for my medicine, which I just took. So... I'm probably not going to go through and edit this like I would a normal podcast episode. I think it's important for you guys to hear a little bit more of the reality, which is, I mean, frankly, why I'm doing this episode. Um, and, and second, there's going to be some trigger warnings. So I want to say them now so that you're either prepared or can pause this and come back to this maybe at a time when you are in a safer place and can protect yourself and do some more self-care and self-love. Those trigger warnings include politics, obviously, sexual assault, physical attacks, racism, ableism, misogyny, Islamophobia, homophobia, transphobia, probably will touch on some anti-Semitism. Basically, if you've been paying attention to the news, It's mostly what I'm going to be talking about today. On November 8th, 2016, hate was voted into the White House. White supremacy has been given the okay, leaving those of us who are undesirables. Cripples, women, non-binary and transgender people, people of color, the LGBT community, non-Christians or Christians who aren't of the right sect, sex educators, and others, wondering what in the hell is going to happen on January 21st, 2017, and for the next four years. We're afraid, and rightfully so. Literal Nazis are currently being appointed to some of the highest political offices in our country. Hate crimes are being perpetrated specifically in the name of our president-elect from sexual assault and beatings to property damage and harassment. This is not okay. We are not okay. 
It continues to become clear that the United States is not the safe place that many of my fellow white people thought it was. At least not for most of the nation. Ironically, with this vote, we've chosen to keep white privilege over actual equality, though. We've chosen men over women and our non-binary friends. Able-bodied over disabled. Rich over poor. Cishet. God, I can't say that word. You know what I mean. Cishet. Cishet. Over the LGBTQIA plus community. Christians, but again, the right kinds. Over anyone else. And ignorance over knowledge. Even more frighteningly, few people in the single-party control of Congress to come seem willing to stand up to this hateful rhetoric. So many are on board, if only to tear down progress that has happened over the last eight years. Most of us in the sex educator business are liberal. If you've followed chronic sex at all anywhere, you'll probably notice that I am too. We stand together concerned over what this means for sexual and emotional health. We have Skype dates where we talk about this. All this certainly stands to negatively affect most of the people that we reach and help every day. I'm going to talk a little bit about myself right now. And again, some trigger warnings, uh, specifically abuse and neglect in childhood. I spent two weeks grieving. The week of the election was horrible. Right after I went to New York, and that helped me kind of get some of my... I won't call it hope, because I hate that word. It, It gave me some of my fight back. To see signs everywhere that say, Love Trump's hate, and she got more votes, and we're a safe place, or we love you. And now I'm back in Wisconsin. Granted, Madison is um, kind of a liberal safe haven in this horrible state, but still, it's nothing like New York. Part of why I've been grieving, though, and part of why I've been grieving throughout this whole election process For those unfamiliar, my mother is essentially Lord Cheeto Voldemort in female form. I was raised in abuse and neglect, with medical treatment withheld from me, which has wound up being the cause of a lot of my pain, physical, mental, and emotional. And I've had this pain for, god, 23 of my 28 years. Uh, Last week marked the 23rd birthday of my some of my bigger diagnoses i quickly learned as a child about the term gaslighting from experience not as a definition it's when an abuser tells you a memory is false or tries to manipulate your recollection of an event it's not unlike the denial of tweets or things said but can be much worse than that too It took me years of living away and having others verify or identify the abuse for me in order to realize the magnitude of it. It's taken years of therapy and studying on my own to be quote-unquote okay 
with this. As of today, it's taken two years, six months, and 19 days, or 934 days total, of me being no contact with my mother for me to get as healed as I am today. Yesterday, I had a scary moment. We were in the Culver's drive-thru. For those of you unfamiliar with the Midwest, Culver's is basically a burger place that also has a ton of frozen custard options. Frozen custard is like ice cream, only way more fucking delicious. We had gone and gotten tacos for lunch because my partner was off for the day. he just gotten LASIK a couple weeks ago and had a follow-up this morning. So we came back home after the appointment and then went out to some book shopping, ate some tacos, and we were following up this delicious, perfect meal of tacos. I mean, the most perfect plate of tacos I've ever had in my entire life from our favorite taqueria, which is El Jalapeno in um, Madison, Wisconsin, just by the way. Um, <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, we're, we're in the drive-thru at Culver's, and we've made our order, and we've moved up. And we're behind a car that's, you know, doing the food money exchange and um, the car that pulls up behind us. <sighs> what was illuminated was the nose down. And this person looked just like my mother. I was able to realize pretty quickly that this triggered my PTSD, but it was still almost a minute before I was able to articulate to my spouse that, hey, just FYI, this person looks like my mother, and, you know, <laughs> just just FYI. And, and we talked, and we tried to help me know that it wasn't my mother. The, the problem is my rational brain gets it. But part of my brain does not, and that's because of the nature of PTSD. It's, it's the part of your brain that's supposed to keep you alive. And, ironically enough, it makes it hard for me to live a life. The rest of the night, I was mostly nonverbal. My spouse would say things to me, and I might reply, but I didn't really go out of my way to specifically make conversation. I talked a lot on Twitter about what I was dealing with because earlier in the day, ironically, someone had made fun of triggers. And so I had kind of gone off on a little Twitter rant, although it wasn't negative. It was just informative. So conversation with myself, I don't know. But I had talked about it and then ironically got to talk about it more after getting my peanut butter cup custard, which was delicious. <sighs> For a while, I was almost infantile, reverting back to what I would do 
in fear as a child hiding in the dark. Now, as a child, I hid behind this floral, two-seated, love-seaty thing that we had that was in a room that had been part of a garage. And I would hide behind that, and I would cry. When I was six and they told me that I would be in a wheelchair by age eight, I sat behind there and I cried for hours. And nobody cared to look for me. Nobody cared to talk to me about what that might mean. The first time I had frozen shoulder, I was convinced I'd just pulled a muscle. Granted, I was seven. I didn't know what the hell I was talking about. I sat behind that couch and I cried every night. And again, no one came looking for me. Luckily, I can't hide behind my couch. It's up against a wall. And the room it's in has our guinea pigs in it. So it's not necessarily a room I want to hide and cry in as much as I want to snuggle the shit out of those little fuzzy buddies and cry in. But the nice thing for me was having my spouse at home to help me and comfort me. He let me be more toddler-esque, which is what I needed. It's what I need a lot of times when I have a PTSD episode and I need him or anyone else to just kind of let me be in that last state before I had PTSD. And it's kind of hard to think about the fact that that was me being a toddler. Last time this happened, which was during the same thing, going and getting custard. Maybe I shouldn't go through the drive-thru anymore there. Um, I cried for hours. I sat in the bathroom and cried. Then I went and laid on the bed and cried. And then my spouse came in and was like, what's wrong? And like, I hadn't been able to articulate it. And so I finally told him. And he just held me and cried. And made me laugh, which is what he's good at. I mean, he's good at other things too, but <laughs> he's really good at making me laugh. After the crying last time, it basically went through all of what I just talked about. The hiding in the dark. The being mostly nonverbal. It's awful. And sometimes that can last for a couple days. And that fucking sucks. <laughs> I have a life to live. <laughs> I mean, I work for myself, so I'm at home with the guinea pigs all the time, but I have a life to live. Knowing what it takes to recover from just one episode of being triggered, I fear for our country. And how we move on. I'm not the only one triggered by this election or by the people fucking involved in it. And frankly, I think you'd be inhuman to not be afraid of all of this. I'm not going to be the stereotypical white person and say, we'll get through this. Hold my hand and we can go forward. Because fuck that. The reality is that some of us won't. Especially those of us who need this podcast. Those of us who aren't cishet. 
those of us who are disabled. It scares me. It scares the fucking shit out of me, especially as a crippled, pansexual, genderqueer, femme sex educator. <laughs> it scares me as someone who strives for intersectionality, who recognizes that I do have privilege as a white person who can be passing for his head. It scares me as someone with a vagina who survived abuse and assault. It scares me just like my mother does. And every day since you know who decided to run, I've been sitting here triggered. Triggered by the gaslighting, triggered by the abuse of conversation, and triggered by hearing things that I heard every day for the majority of my life from the homophobic, transphobic conversations to the misogynistic conversations to ableism and white supremacy. I wasn't lying when I said my mother is basically you-know-who. Fuck, Ted Cruz follows her on Twitter. Okay, like, that should be enough of a, of a oh shit. <laughs> now that we just talked about all this stuff, let's take a couple of breaths together, right? In, out, in, out. Okay. Here's what I can tell you. We're gonna fucking fight this shit. We're gonna fight like hell. We're gonna fight like our lives depend on it because fucking A, they do. We fight for ourselves, our friends, all the children that we know. We fight for people not yet born. We fight to be on the right side of history. I promise you this. Chronic sex will continue. I will provide information that helps, heals, and motivates. I will promote intersectionality and raise up the voices of those of us who defy the Aryan ideal. I will fight until I'm stopped, whether that's by, you know, some Death Eaters or <laughs> illness or what have you. I'll fight for you. I may not know you. We may not have ever had a conversation. But by listening to this, I already know a few things about you. By listening to this, I know that you value people. I know that you're looking to learn and expand your horizons. And I know that I love you. This is where I get back into my touchy-feely stuff. But... I started chronic sex for several reasons. One of the biggest, though, is that those of us with chronic illnesses and disabilities don't get to hear things like, I love you and I care about you. We don't get to get the self-esteem that maybe some other people do. And that's okay. I'm not saying that everything should be fair, but... I mean, it's not okay that it's statistically so many of us 
that don't get that care. We don't get told it's okay to unfriend people. Or it's okay to grieve for a while before you come back to the fight. Fuck, I've been grieving for two weeks. We don't get told that it's okay to take a break from being inspiration porn. Because, oh shit, no, they need us. They need us to keep themselves going. At least they don't have XYZ, right? But I love you. And I'm going to fight for you. And we're going to fight for each other. We're going to fight to make this a safe place. And no matter whether Cheeto Voldemort or uh, Lucius Malfoy, his right-hand man, becomes president on January 21st, we fight. We make our voices heard. We talk about the Dakota Access Pipeline. We talk about gay conversion therapy. We make these things known. Because it's clear that unless we start making these things more public, people won't see it. And next time they go to vote, we'll be fucked all over again. And I'm not about to have that. If we have to suffer through this administration, if we have to fight like this, I want it to only be four years, if that. I don't want this to continue. I don't want my Muslim friends and my Jewish friends and my transgender friends and my friends who identify as women or could pass as women or have vaginas. I don't want anybody to be afraid. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what's in your pants. <laughs> I don't care what you believe when you turn off the light and are trying to go to sleep. I don't want any of us to be afraid. So we're going to fight. And we're going to fight with the zest of the badassery that we fight through every fucking single day with our illnesses and our disabilities. We're going to fight Cheeto Voldemort just like we fight arthritis, PTSD, fibromyalgia, cerebral palsy, multiple sclerosis, depression, whatever we fight. We fight this just as hard. Because there's one thing that I know about us. We are fucking resilient. And nobody is going to put us in a corner. Tell us to be quiet. Whew. That was a heavy conversation. But one we needed to have, right? So, in the show notes, I'm going to put some links to some ways you can help other people, to some efforts to organize resistance, should you be interested in that, to some ways that those of you who may be white can learn more about privilege 
and can learn more about what this election may mean for many of us. And ways you can, I don't know, expand your horizons as far as learning about how people who are not Voldemort's base can... how we deal, what we're going through. And the places I'm going to send you are factual. They are wonderful places where you can either get money, give time, promote, do whatever you can to help. And if you want to come on here anonymously or publicly or under a pseudonym and talk about stuff that isn't sex. Talk about the election. I am here for you. And I will do what I can to make it a safe place so we can have those conversations. I don't know about you, but I'm going to listen to some Hamilton today. Thinking about rising up and fighting because we'll never be truly free until those in bondage have the same rights as you and me. And um, we're going to keep fighting. Ready? Let's go.